I honestly think in the future, audio shows are going to be more popular than content marketing. The reason for this is because it's so much easier to consume because you don't have to be present. You can be passively listening to it um, and grow. And I think there's a big opportunity right now. And the reason I'm saying this is because I'm just launching my personal show. We have like 50 downloads so far, which is nothing. And we're already ranking in the top 200 of podcasts and i know we do a great job at talking but we're nothing special um and we don't think that the growth that we've received is because of the phenomenal show we've been putting on it's because that there's a lack of shows on the platform giving us an unfair advantage right now so if you were thinking what should you get into maybe think audio formats it's a very very powerful place um, you can create a lot of content. It's easier. Honestly, I prefer it because you don't have to see yourself. Um, a lot of people struggle with seeing themselves. And I think that's a problem that audio really solves pretty quickly. Because uh, you're just talking and you hear yourself talking. And once you hear yourself talking with headphones on, um, you learn how to talk properly. So we're going to quickly pause. I'm going to open up my cell phone here and connect it to the show. So I want to change it up. And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for doing this. But I think it's something that I want to push the limit with and try and see if it works. Because I got a lot of value from what I'm about to show you guys. And I think you guys get to it as well. You see a lot of value from this. So before we press play... Um, little bit of backstory i'm going to be playing um for my cell phone a podcast that i listen to and i'm not going to play the full thing i'm not just like ripping somebody's podcast onto mine um but i want to bring off a couple points and then i want to go and talk about it and how i've been talking about it in the same way and he just made it super clear and as you can see i don't talk in proper english all the time um i say the words that come to mind so when i hear somebody explain it in proper English, I'm like, wow, this is what I've been looking for. So, with that being said, no need for an introduction. Alex Hermosi, Mastering Wealth Through Reciprocity, Time, and Sacrifice. One of the strongest persuasive powers in existence is reciprocity. If people get something, they feel almost like it's like sick to their stomach, they have to give something back, right? It's just most people are like, it's not everyone, there are some crazy out there, but most humans, because all of our civilization has been based on this concept of reciprocity. You can force reciprocity in your direction by just jamming so much. So this is a concept that I never knew the word for, but something that I understood. And I think I just internally understood it. And that's why it just made sense to me is because I wasn't thinking. I was just doing. Goodwill and so much value down someone's throat that they just feel like they have to vomit back on you in terms of value because they're so full on value. They're like getting drunk with the value that you're providing for them. And so when you do that, it results in a sale. And I'll tell you one of the lessons that I learned later. This has just at least been true for me. Is that the end of your value ladder of the ascensions that you can create for a customer is predicated on the last thing that you provided that was in excess of value from what you charged. So if you think about the first thing you do is your content is free, it's worth more than what you're giving because you're giving away everything. And so then they purchase the first thing. And if that first thing, let's say it's $1,000, but it makes them $10,000, they're like, well, fuck yeah, what else you got? You're like, well, I got a $10,000 thing. And they're like, I'm in. And then they make a hundred grand. And they're like, dude, what else you got? And they're like, I got a hundred thousand dollar thing. 
And this is the part where people fuck up is that at the $100,000 thing, they get $100,000 of value. And then what they have done is that they have now completely squeezed. This part right here really fucking blew my mind um, because it's, I feel like where most people can make their money and it's where most people mess up. So the price to value discrepancy and what they have is not a, a raving customer, but a satisfied customer. And then that is where the customer relationship ends. And so the idea of being able to consistently and always have more demand than you can fulfill is predicated or is based on the ability to always provide not just a little bit more, but significantly more than you are charging for. And so there's two ways of doing that. One is you can decrease your price to the point where it's basically nothing. And so if you give anything over nothing, it seems more, which is what is kind of the, the premise around free content. But the thing is, is that free content does have a cost. It's just not monetary. It's time and attention. How many people do you know who make content and they get no fucking engagement on it? It might be you. You might be that person. Why do you think that is? Because the price of free is still not worth it. No shit, right? And so the idea is like, if you are in that situation, you make this free content, you say content doesn't work. And so you keep putting out shittier and shittier content because you keep saying that it doesn't work. I think if you can flip the script and say, hey, what if I made all of the stuff that I have that's free more valuable than what my competitors are currently charging for? What if I make my free stuff better than their paid stuff? And if you really, truly try and do that, not just like say that, but live that, look at, think about all the deliverables that happen. Think about all the, the, the checklist and the, and, the, and the cheat sheets and the visuals and the videos and the in-depth trainings that you would provide if you were to try and teach a course. And what if you just gave that away? What happens if someone makes a hundred grand a month using your free stuff? They fucking want to give you money to buy more from you. Reciprocity. And so as long as the next thing that you have to provide even more. So as you can see, Alex has some amazing energy. He's a sports player. Um, he also really big into the gym and he's very, very disciplined. Um, but reciprocity is something that I think we can all definitely pour a lot more time and attention into, especially when we're thinking about our content and when we're thinking about our audience and when we're thinking about what we want to deliver to our audience and how we want to deliver it, it's a great way of thinking. So if you think you're not getting the engagement that you deserve is obviously because the value you're giving your audience is not high enough. So it can be high in a way of entertainment value. So if you're not a very entertaining person, then entertainment content might not work for you. The flip side of this could be educational. So if you're giving enough value away for free and value that is so high that competitors would literally charge for this, you should have no problems getting views because the internet was built on piracy, basically. And if you can give away high value information without really exploiting your niche, you should have no problem generating a lot of traffic around that value. Because probably if you were able to help them make $100,000, off of your free stuff, you probably have enough expertise to help them make a million dollars, right? And so that's the idea here is like, how can we provide so much value and access they want to continue to buy from us over and over, right? That's the, that's the shtick. I will talk about how I did something, not how to do something. I'll talk about what my clients did, not what you should do. And I will base that from a perspective of, I will try and give away as much as humanly possible, so much so that it makes me sick to my stomach and I'm very afraid of the amount of value that I'm giving because I know that based on reciprocity, if I give more value out there, I will get more in return because you can give at scale with content. So think about this. If it costs you the same amount, to provide value in a video to one person as it does to provide value to a million people who watch a video. Just think about it conceptually. It costs you no more effort to do that. But the beautiful thing with technology is that there's still only one of you to receive from everything that you did 
on a multiple on, with leverage at scale. Like, I don't know if you can see this visual, but you do one level of effort, one input, and technology amplifies it to everyone. But then it all has to come back into one, which is you. And so you can, this is how you can amass significant wealth. Like, this is how it works. So Caleb asked me the other day, he's like, dude, people say leverage all the time. He's like, what does leverage even mean? This is what leverage means. Leverage means the ratio between inputs to outputs in a system. And so if the input that we have is time or money, if we have something that has lots of leverage, it means we get a huge multiplier effect. If I put one unit in, I get 10 units out. I get 100 units out. That is a high leverage activity or system. And so aggregation of wealth for people who have money is a function of understanding time because wealth is based on the fundamental unit of money. Money is a foundational unit of time. Why? Because you can trade them back and forth. Everybody here can trade their time for money. It's, a, it's an even exchange system. And so here's what's interesting. Everyone can trade time for money, but you can trade some time for more money, right? And so what we're doing when we gain leverage is we're looking at, and this is the people who are the wealthiest, is that they have control over their time so that when they do give it, they get the most out of it, right? And so the game of business to aggregate wealth is to play with higher and higher and higher amounts of leverage over the one thing that we all have the same amount of, which is time. And so mastering that is the key to becoming wealthy. So you, you master your time in order to master your money. And so there's two components to mastering time. You have mastery of time, which comes down to the micro, which is the day-to-day, -day, the speed of activity. And I can tell you right now, if you talk to somebody, you say, hey, we should do this thing, right? And then boom, they've got this organized. They've already done two or three messages. And then like it's getting done tomorrow. I guarantee you that that person is going to be more wealthy because they have a micro mastery of their time. So think about this from, from an organizational perspective. Imagine that the default time period that you use to get something done is, let's say, a week. Let's say that's just the unspoken default. That's the cultural default of like, hey, we need to start this project. Hey, can you get this, this thing to me? They say, cool, I'll get you by end of week. Right? End of week, that's default. Everyone's okay with that, right? But let's say because you want to become a master of wealth and you understand that time is huge, is one of the, is one of the biggest components of wealth, you then say, no, guys, the new default is end of day for all activities unless stated otherwise. That becomes the new norm. And so let's say that this project that we had originally has seven back and forth interactions. They get something to you, it takes a week. You get them something back, it takes a week. Take a week, take a week, take a week. The whole thing takes seven weeks, right? Now imagine it was end of day. The same output happens in one-seventh the time because we both get it done end of day. Next day, two things happen. Next day, two things happen. Next day, two things happen. And then boom, the project's done. And what took two months takes somebody else four days. And when you multiply that effect over a year, over a decade, that is when you see the outsized returns in wealth and money because of mastery on the micro of time. The second component of time is the macro perspective of time, which is are all of the activities acting in alignment with my overall goal? And do I believe that they can compound on one another? Are they directionally aligned over a decade, over three decades, so that I can have a compounding effect, leverage in action, over a longer period of time so that my input is, is far less or my output far outweighs the input that I did? Because I let time work as an asset rather than a liability. Most people's plans when you add time get worse. What you want to do is play games where if you wait, you win. And so those are the games that we want to set up. And those are the games that the people who are truly wealthy understand. And so I can tell you, having dealt with people who make significantly more money than me, their mastery of the micro, of understanding how speed moves things forward, because on a macro scale of getting things done day, 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 rather than week, 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 
means that at the end of the year, they have 40 times the output. And people are like, that's not fair. Who said life was supposed to be, right? And so this micro kind of exchange that happens there gets enhanced and magnified and then people get upset about it. But the thing is, is you can either... See, I hate to cut Alex off there, but like, I love the way he storytells because he's a really good speaker. He uses bigger words. He's very intelligent. And just the way that he speaks it, the energy, the passion, it's there. So we all want to hear when we're listening to a speaker. I think a lot of us can learn from those clips there. And I'm going to finish off that show and let you guys listen to the rest of it. But just listening to the way he explains things and the way that he talks about business will definitely get you um, motivated. When listening to this stuff, I do highly suggest listening to it with a notepad. And at the end of this, I'm going to go over the notes that I had taken because let's be honest, there's a lot of you guys listening to this in a car or not taking notes. So we'll go over my notes. And if you're not taking these notes, that's fucking silly because um, these are points that you should like refresh your brain with after listening to something like this. When doing that, that's when you really bring new concepts into your mind. But back to the show. You can accept it for what it is and just choose to play the game and win the way you want to, if that's what you want. And so as the micro and then from the macro perspective, like I was saying earlier, is that the biggest shift that I see in people who are wealthy is that they talk in decades, not days. And I can tell you based on the time period that someone talks in when they talk about their plans, how wealthy they are. Or to be fair, how wealthy they will be. And so if you have truly realistic plans that you're like, this is what's going to take me about 10 years. If you hear someone say that, I can tell you that they're going to be successful. And if you can shift your perspective to that, where you actually start planning and like, okay, it would be unreasonable that if I did this for 10 straight years, that I wouldn't be significantly wealthier than I am today. So that's what I'm going to do. And then having the singularity of mind to not get distracted. Three things that they found that made people who were ultra successful and ultra successful to, I, I wish I had the definition for what they define as ultra successful, but we'll just leave it at that. They said they have a superiority complex and they think that they are in some way better than other people and deserve more than others. Number one. Number two, they have massive insecurity and fear of failure. They, they never think that they will measure up or be good enough. Interesting paradox. And then number three is they have impulse control. And so think about this from a bigger picture perspective. They have the superiority conflict, so they believe that they can accomplish these amazing things. Like how, like some people, if you tell them your goals, they'll say, how dare you think that way? How dare you believe that you can accomplish something like that? And so it takes a little bit of delusion in order to think, I'm going to make an iPhone, whatever the fuck that is. I'm going to put a computer in everyone's hand in, in the world. I'm going to do that, right? Most people think it's hubris, and the only thing that separates genius and insanity is what happens. It's outcome, right? And so they have this this vision of where they want to go and they believe they can do big stuff. Number two, they have this fuel that they push away from, from always feeling they'll never be good enough, right? And that's what drives them towards this, this outcome. And then number three, and this is the big one, this is the one that everyone messes up, is they have the impulse control to stay focused on it and not let shiny objects distract them. Even though there's another opportunity comes up two years in, they're like, no, if I keep doing what I'm doing and I follow the plan that I set, I will be, it would be unreasonable that I do not achieve the goal that I have. Could this help? Maybe. But even if I don't do that, I will still get there. And I would rather take the get rich for sure than get rich quick way every day. And most people, 
This is my finding, at least. If you were to sit down with someone and say, here's a contract, sign here, and you're going to live on $30,000 a year for the next five years. But at the end of that five years, you'll be able to make a million dollars a year. Most people would sign that contract, but they don't live like they would sign that contract. And the reason that that contract works is because it delays the gratification. It, it separates the, I'm going to have the cookie today from, I want to have a six pack for life, right? It's the, I will suffer for this long period of time. I will make the hundred dials. I will make the hundred pieces of content a week. I will spend the hundred dollars a day on advertising and sacrifice my lifestyle in order to learn not to get rich, but to learn the skills that will make me rich eventually. And I know that if I accumulate these skills because I'm dedicated to that and I'm willing to sacrifice more than other people to achieve my dreams. And I'm going to, I'm going to put a pin on this real quick because I think this is real. How many of you to save humanity would sacrifice your life? Like how many of you guys would sac- like would give your life for maybe even your country, right? A lot of people would do that. A lot of our military to appreciate that you serve. Like how many people would do that or save your family? Why is it that that is more important than your dreams? Why were you willing to sacrifice so much? And I feel like the better question is why are people not willing to sacrifice anything? It's like, if you're willing to sacrifice your life, give the ultimate price for a country or for whatever. Why would you not give at least that much to realize the potential that you believe you have? And so that's for me why the sacrifices never felt like sacrifices. They felt like trade-offs. And for me, they were trade-offs. They were prices I was willing to pay. And so it's like, if there was a pair of shoes that I wanted, it was $500 and I bought them. And someone's like, don't you feel guilty about spending $500? I'd say, no, that was the price. And I was willing to pay because I wanted the shoes, period. And so if there's a price tag that we can ascribe to our dreams or to the potential that we believe that we have, which is what we want to pay down as regret in the future for not having it. If you read the price tag and it says, you know, football with the boys, dodgeball during the week, you know, drinking a couple of nights, some a little bit grogger, if that's the price tag, is that a price I'm willing to pay? And I think if you are, you'll get significantly closer to what you're trying to do. And so that was the, the general gist of the, uh, of the chat that I had, not chat. But anyways, uh, Motivation, I love you guys. If you, for some reason, are new on here, we have a, a book that's 99 cents that a lot of people are referencing. I think it's 5,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. It's 99 cents if you want to check it out. A lot of people get value from it. And we have a podcast that encapsulates a lot of this stuff at a higher level. I don't sell anything. Like The whole reason acquisition.com exists is because I'm trying to help businesses that are doing $3 million or more. And so if you are a business that's doing $3 million or more and you're on the internet, Love to work with you. Hop on acquisition.com, fill out the, fill out the form. We'd love to help you get to 30 million and beyond. Um, we've done it six times already. So we're pretty good at it, especially for this type of business. Um, but if you're below 3 million and you're not in that industry or you're three million, you're below 3 million and you're in that industry, that's why we make the book. We make YouTube. We make Twitter content. We make, uh, Instagram content. And we just, I'm just trying to give everybody the tools they need to, uh, that I wish I had had, um, earlier on. Not saying they're right. I'm just saying they work for me. So every second definitely counted of that episode. What do you guys think? Alex is definitely somebody I've learned a lot from in the past, let's say, 12 months. He's posted his book that just blew the fuck up. $100 million offers he was talking about it there at the end. Um, listen to it. You'll probably listen. You'll probably plug in and listen to it non-stop that's what i did i listened to it for like six hours straight um but just the value props that you pull from there and the way he explains it and he makes it so simple to understand 
that you are your biggest enemy. And so many people don't realize that you will be your biggest enemy. And before I go on too much of a tangent here, I want to go back to my notes from the show um, because nobody likes being their biggest enemy. And if you can eliminate yourself from being the problem, then you just face the world. And the world is easy because nobody's going to be as hard on you as yourself. So back to my points for the show. Um, So what I was saying was, so the cost is ideas, price, and your energy versus your outputs versus the response you're getting from those outputs. So the cost of creating content, the idea, the price, the energy is very minimal. The idea, you have to think of it once. It takes a one-time use of your brain. The price, you need to have money to create the video, or you can shoot it on your iPhone for free if you wanted to. The energy. You literally need energy to make yourself do something. A lot of people like recording videos. A lot of people don't like recording videos. So if you're that person who likes recording video, it's a lot easier for you. It comes with time. That person who doesn't like recording videos is not going to be a little harder, but it can get easier. It's just going to take time. So once you have your idea, your price, your energy, and you realize it only takes one use of each of those to come up with one piece of content, and you put that out to the internet, and that one piece of content is now working for you, evergreen, for the next 36 to 48 months, you're going to really focus on the micro and you're really going to focus on creating content now every single day, 100 pieces of content a week. And that sounds so crazy to most people, but 100 pieces of content is not that much. And if you can put out 100 pieces of content a week, every week for the next 12 months, you should be way further ahead of where you are today. And the amount of responses that you're going to be getting from the seven or the, the 52 weeks times 100, those 5,200 pieces of content is going to be ridiculous. I personally only have about 750 posts on Instagram. So imagine putting 5,200 posts out in general. That could be video posts, picture posts, typed posts, group posts, music story posts, but everything totaling up to 5,000 posts in a year. That's going to bring you so much business. And if it doesn't bring you business, there's other things that you need to figure out. There's a problem with your communication skills. There's a problem with the way you're getting back to people. Because if you're putting 5,000 pieces of content out, your messaging is wrong. What you're talking about has a zero interest or you're just not dialed in because 5,000 pieces of content is a lot of content with 5,000 pieces of content. I could really 100 X my business, I believe. So on to the next point that I had taken down, it was time versus money. Um, higher amount of leverage. A lot of people who are the wealthier people have leverage on their time. Um, cause they already have the money, so they don't need to go out and do things. So, Now that they have leverage on their time, they can leverage how much energy they want to put out. They can leverage how much they want to price out the personal um, skill. And the idea behind it is 
not many people know what they know. So the idea that they're going to be outputting is very, very high. The value of their work is very, very high. So the price is going to be high and the energy that they're going to be putting out is going to be um, in that mid range. So they're going to put a lot of work in order to make that equal amount of income. So to my next point here is one person versus a team um, <clears throat> project defaults. This is something that I think I'm going to implement with my team. Um, and this is something that we struggle with. And I think most teams probably struggle with this. And it is um, focusing on project defaults of, for example, things taking maybe three days right now or five days or seven days or 14 days or a month or three months or a year, but coming up with deadlines. And I feel like people get comfortable and get really, really used to the same timelines, but I feel like everybody should be advanced and sped up a little bit. They should be able to tighten those timelines or move on to another task because if they're not constantly getting better, they're getting they're going somewhere. They're probably getting worse. And I don't like to say that about people, but if you're not growing, you're going somewhere and it's not up. So really focus on refining yourself. And I'm going to be focusing a lot of my shifts from things taking a week to get done to getting done by the end of the day. And if things get done by the end of the day, by that fifth day, you've gotten five weeks worth of stuff done where most people are getting it done in five weeks in projects like groups, if that makes sense. Uh, so what would take most people five weeks is taking you five days. So when you multiply that in a year format, that's when you get things done. And that's when most people, like he was saying, are like, that's unfair. You're taking advantage. But he's like, just be like, be like not most people um just really push yourself to do the things that most people won't and you'll get the results that most people don't have and that is being the one percent having the income um having the assets that you've always dreamt of that next point that i have is mastering use of time don't focus on the income you're getting paid focus on the skills and the talents that you're going to learn because those over time are going to get you much much better at your skill and they're going to be a lot they're going to allow you to do it much faster and they're going to really set you apart from your competitor and they're really going to make you um stand up so mastering the use of time is huge time is an asset if you wait you win if you focus on projects like that if you set up projects where over time you make money so flip projects investment projects and versus gambling on your income <laughs> you will win every single day so think, focus on in the first 10 years of business, setting up maybe five investment properties, those five investment properties. Now, if they work out with the plan that you set when you first bought that property, five years from now, they should be worth more. And five years from now, you can make another decision whether or not you want to take those investment properties and buy five more from each. So now you're buying 25 properties. Or you can go the route of retiring and just taking that income and every single month taking the money that you're getting from the rental once it's paid off as your retirement money. There's, there's different levels of life and some people just check out early. Some people don't want to play the game anymore. Get out of the rat race, start playing the game. The rat race is focusing on just paying your bills. The game is winning, making a lot of income and growing. Why complain when you can play the game? It's something that I just don't understand. So ultra superior thinkers. There's also massive insecure people. And there's people who just have impulse control. 
those are the three leader types usually ultra superior thinkers usually think they're better than everybody i can't stand ultra superior thinkers i can't stand being in the same room as these people they just drive me nuts if you're an ultra superior thinker please don't talk to me then there's massive insecure people these are people who don't believe in themselves and they need to secure bring security to themselves by surrounding themselves with the best and having them best people around them allow them to believe that they're better than most people massive insecurity those are usually pretty good leaders as well and then there's people who just have impulse control that is usually the person who's most successful because he's happiest he's not going to have depression or have any sort of mental problems or have any situations going on because they just can control their impulses they know when to send people out. They know the value of their time. The ultra superior thinker is going to be like, oh, you should have hired me for that deal because he's going to really focus on that he's the best. That massively insecure person is going to focus on, oh, no, did I send out the right person for that job? And they're going to just stress about their business. But that impulse control, the person who can control their impulses, is going to really have enjoyment that they've been looking for because they know that the business is happening they know everything's happening and they know that they're the leader and that their job is to be not on the job site so that all factors add down to discipline if you want to have impulse control you need to have a lot of discipline other notes i took from this a couple of times you mentioned 100 pieces of content i think that's the hack if you can get up to 100 pieces of content a week, you should be able to win. I'm currently at like 20 pieces of content a week, and it is a lot of work to get 20 pieces of content out a week. I personally sell 20 pieces of content a month, and people think that's a lot of content. But people with success are saying 100 pieces of content a week. So this is what I want you to think to 12 months, 36 months 52 months even, depending on where you want to be in the future. This is where you need to get to to see the results that these people are having. And I think, I personally think in the future, it's going to be a lot higher because you didn't need to make 100 pieces of content a week five years ago. You only needed to make 10 pieces of content a week. So I think a year from now, you're going to need to be making 250 pieces of content a week. So really focus on getting better and refining your skills. I know this has been a bit of a rant and I know I have not made sense a couple of times here. So I'm just going to leave it here, guys. I think it was a great show. I think it's something that you should definitely um, focus your time on is price tag versus sacrifice. Sometimes you have to take sacrifices to get places you want to be. And the price tag of the sacrifices sometimes is usually not as high as you'd think. The price tag of defeat is much higher. You're going to be so let down and you're going to be hating yourself to the day you die because you didn't follow your dreams. And if you followed your dreams and you failed, at least you tried. At least you did it. At least you could tell people, your grandkids, your stories of how you lost $5 million in a business that you spent 15 years building. That's, that'd be a pretty intense story. I think 
people would have respect for you still. Anyways, guys, it's been Cam here from the Hustle Fun Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We got a couple of fun episodes coming up this week. I hope you guys stay tuned for them. Um, three episodes, one with Josh Perry. We have a special guest, Thomas, and one more special guest, Johnson. So tune into those episodes coming out in the next coming days. It's been Cam from the Hustle Fun Podcast. I'll see you guys in the next episode, but until then, peace out.